Welcome to the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. Australia has avoided a double-dip recession for now, after GDP grew 0.7% during the June quarter. It's substantially better than expected, with most economists forecasting around 0.4% growth, and until last week, many thought the economy may have actually contracted during the quarter. If it had, it would have seen us in recession again, as the current quarter will almost certainly go backwards due to lockdowns. But now that we've avoided it, I wanted to look at where the economy goes from here. Dr. Shane Oldler is the Chief Economist at AMP Capital. Shane, welcome back to Fear and Greed. Thank you, Sean. Good to be here. So can we just run through the numbers yesterday? The overall number was better than most people tipped? It certainly was. The rise in GDP was 0.7% for last quarter. That was probably what people were expecting about two months ago. But in the run-up to the release, there's a whole bunch of economic indicators that relate to bits of GDP. And so many people have revised down well below that. In fact, we, a week or so ago, were forecasting a decline in GDP of minus 0.1%. That was particularly after some weak construction numbers. And we thought that the trade numbers would also be a detractor along with inventories. But as it turned out, as we came into the release of these numbers, we did get some stronger data, for particularly for public spending. And the trade data looked a little bit better. So we revised up to plus 0.3. I think the consensus was about 0.4% or thereabouts. But nevertheless, it came in even stronger than that. And one of the big drivers was a couple of big drivers. Public spending rose a lot more than uh, I was expecting. It uh, contributed about 0.5 percentage points of the 0.7% increase. So big contribution from public spending. Yeah. And of course, uh, the fall in inventories. Uh, was less than expected, probably because of farmers building up their inventories and dwelling investment actually rose, whereas some data released last week suggested it would fall. But whatever it was driving it, it was a good outcome. And beneath the surface, you can see up until the lockdowns really intensified at the end of the quarter, only at the very end of the quarter, uh, the Australian economy was growing at a reasonable pace with solid growth in consumer spending, a bit of a bit of strength in business investment but also a very strong contribution from public demand. Okay, so I mean, the thing about the GDP figures, it does give a good snapshot in time at the whole economy. So you're just saying, so consumer spending was reasonably okay, business investment was okay, a bit less. When we talk about inventories, that's always an interesting one and a bit technical for those who don't follow economics too closely. Why is it when inventories rise, that's a detraction from growth? Well, it depends on the size of the rise relative to the previous quarter. So if inventories rose in the previous quarter and then rise again this quarter, but rise by less, Uh. that means production won't have gone up as much. It's basically because if you've got demand in the economy, so you can measure an economy in three different ways. There's the income received, there's production, and there's demand. Uh, You can satisfy demand by either producing everything, uh, but you can also run down some inventories. So it's the change in inventories which sort of impacts rather than the uh, the change in the change, in fact, as opposed to the the simple change. So it's the second derivative which drives it. So what happened in the last quarter was that inventories rose, but they rose at a smaller rate, which meant production wasn't quite as strong in terms of actually meeting demand in the economy. So that turned out to be a detractor from growth. Okay, so we're at 0.7 during the June quarter. What do you think will happen this quarter? Well, this quarter is always the big problem, and as you alluded to in the introduction there, if we had a negative June quarter, we're almost certain to see a negative September quarter either way, and that would have given us a technical recession. So the fact that we 
got a positive June quarter. It's kind of nice because we missed that negative headline of a double-dip recession, so to speak. But the reality is, and as most people in Sydney and Melbourne would tell you, things are pretty tough. feels like a recession to many anyway, but we're going to see a pretty hefty contraction in the economy in the current quarter. Now, we're looking for a decline in GDP in the current quarter of around 4%. Mind you, in the June quarter last year, the detraction was minus 7%, but that was because the whole of the economy was locked up for, I guess, all of April and, of course, much of May. Uh, This time around, we're having about half of the economy locked up, but probably right through the whole quarter. And the bits that are being locked up are, of course, Victoria and uh, New South Wales. And so hence you get a detraction from GDP as economic activity doesn't occur. But it's not as bad as last year because we're still seeing some growth in WA, Queensland, South Australia and Tasmania. Touch wood, but they don't get affected either. And then beyond this quarter, because it looks like Victoria and New South Wales, at least, won't fully reopen till well into next quarter, October, November, depending on vaccination rates. Are we likely to see some sort of bounce back, but perhaps not a strong one? I think we will see a bounce back. And this is why we shouldn't get too gloomy here. I mean, it does feel gloomy when you see the Victorian... Shane, you are always an optimist. You know that. Yes. I mean, sorry, you're a realist. You're a realist, so that's not an optimistic economist, but you're a realist in that, but you are an optimist at heart. I prefer to be an optimist, yes, and I think <laughs> optimists usually win in the long run, right. not necessarily in the short run, <laughs> but in the short run, I also have to be a realist, and that's why when I got the numbers a week or so ago, they were telling me the June quarter was going to be negative and that would mean a recession. So you've got to tell it the way you see it, then the facts changed, and of course, we've avoided that, but... By the same token, either way, I would still be looking forward to a better next year. And I think there's good reason to do that. Uh, And I think from the end of this year, we will start to see some sort of reopening. Put simply, the vaccination rates are rising rapidly across Australia, with New South Wales leading the charge, partly because some of the vaccines are allocated from other states. I don't want to be harsh on the other states. And that, I think, is getting us closer to that point where we can start to see some sort of reopening occur. So if you think about it, technically, when the lockdown started and they've been various grades of them, loose, then tight, then loose and so on, but basically you saw this big hit to economic activity back in July in uh, New South Wales and for much of the, the month Victoria, but they're not going to get any worse from here. It's very unlikely they'll get any worse from here. I can't see the lockdowns being tightened yep. further from here. And then if you see a slight easing in the lockdowns, perhaps enabling vaccinated people to have meals in cafes where all the workers in the cafe are vaccinated and they're sitting outside, if you start to see a little bit of incremental activity come back, then that will see GDP in those states lift through the course of the December quarter. And so therefore you'll get some sort of recovery and therefore, again, avoid a technical recession as growth returns. So that's my base case. I think you will see some sort of recovery There's also a level of pent-up demand as people are stuck at home and can't do their normal spending. Both businesses and households are doing that. The savings rate will go back up again, partly helped by government support measures, and that will also help spending. Only difference is, compared to last year, is that we'll be reopening, most likely, where COVID numbers are relatively high. In contrast to last year when we reopened and COVID numbers were near at or near zero. And so therefore there'll be a degree of caution, I think, on the part of Australians which you don't see in other countries because they've all gotten used to very high levels of coronavirus. If you're in the UK, Europe, or the US, they're used to it. 
but we have to get used to it. And until I think we all get confident that well, we're not seeing our hospitals overwhelmed, not seeing lots of death, that the vaccines are still working to protect people, then uh, it'll take a little while to adjust to that. So I think we will see a bounce back in the December quarter, but it won't be as strong as the bounce back we saw after the lockdown, the national lockdown last year. Stay with me, Shane. We'll be back in a minute. My guest this morning is Dr. Shane Oliver, Chief Economist at AMP Capital. So for many of us, the way we relate to it is via interest rates and particularly those homeowners. What's the prospect for interest rates and then broader monetary policy and also government spending? Well, that's a good question. Government spending will remain at very high levels as long as the lockdowns continue. There's about a billion, one to $1.5 billion worth of payments a week going into New South Wales and something like that going into Victoria as a result of federal and state support measures. They're not the same as JobKeeper, but in some areas they're about the same size. So that will start to wind down once the lockdowns start to end and people see their income come back. But by the same token, the level of economic activity as we go through 2022, so the optimist in me tells me it will pick up, we will see recovery, but we're still probably looking at a lower level of economic activity through the course of 2022 and a higher level of unemployment through 2022 than the Reserve Bank was assuming just a few weeks back, which I think ultimately means easier monetary policy for longer. It's quite likely in the next, next week they will delay their decision to slow down bond buying and keep it at the rate of $5 billion a week. But it also, I guess, reinforces what the Reserve Bank's been saying all along, that the first rate hike probably won't occur until 2024. Some of us had been thinking prior to the lockdowns it would occur at the beginning of 2023, but the setback has put paid to that. So it basically means lower for longer interest rates. So do things like elections, and then we have to have one before May next year, so it's within nine months or so or less, what sort of role will they play in the economy? Well, they have an impact. I mean, my God, it just seems like we just got over the last election. <laughs> and, uh, and we spent all, the, spent all the time worried about coronavirus. But anyway, yeah, they come around quickly. They have an impact to the extent that in the run-up to elections, businesses in particular and, and households to some degree often feel a bit nervous about things, whether there'll be a change in government policy. This was most noticeable prior to the last election because Labor's policy initiatives were very different and some would say radically different almost like Whitlam's policies were relative to the Liberals in 1972 or John Hewson's policies were so different compared to Paul Keating's in 1993. So it offered a real choice in that sense but there was a bit of uncertainty about what would be the impact of changes in negative gearing, capital gains tax and various other things and I think that can lead to a period of uncertainty. If this time around the policies of the two major parties aren't that different then that uncertainty may be somewhat less. But nevertheless, it does often cause a bit of uncertainty in the run-up to the elections and then, of course, things settle back down afterwards. And, and, and just while I've got you, Shane, how's all this play out for the share market? Well, you could be forgiven for thinking that the share market's gone bonkers along with the property market <laughs> uh, because they haven't batted an eyelid, you know, occasionally. You know, you hear some negative things and the market might take a bit of a hit, but... Generally speaking, the Aussie share market's been incredibly resilient the last couple of months, whereas last year it fell 37% from late February to late March into the lockdowns. So a very different situation this time around. 
And likewise, the property market. Last year, we saw the Sydney and Melbourne property market. Sydney fell about 3%. The Melbourne property market fell about 6%. Other states, yeah, a little bit less than that. And then, of course, they all recovered again. This time around, those markets have just sort of sailed through. And I think that's partly because the share market, we've just been through the earnings reporting season. It's now finished as of yesterday. I mean, there'll be other companies reporting, but the ones who have to report in the month of August have done so. And, you know, we saw a pretty good rebound. 75% of companies saw their profits up, maybe no more than had been expected on average by the market. But the big surprise was that we saw record dividends and we saw something like $20 billion worth of stock buybacks. So there's a lot of money coming back to shareholders. So that's helped. We've still got lower interest rates, lower for longer interest rates. That's helping. And of course, I think investors are thinking, well, after the lockdowns last year, there was a recovery. So selling, going into a lockdown was a big mistake. So we're not going to do that same thing this time around. And also this time around, there's the vaccines, which offer out the hope of a more sustained recovery. And those vaccines were still on the horizon or over the horizon in the national lockdown last year. So that's all helped the share market. And a lot of that sentiment's also uh, helped the property market to keep going. Shane, thank you for talking to Fear and Greed. Thank you, Sean. All the best. That was Dr. Shane Oliver, Chief Economist at ANP Capital. This is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. Join me every morning for the full Fear and Greed podcast with all the business news you need to know. I'm Sean Elmer. Enjoy your day.